Welcome to PALS Talks Literacy, a podcast created for Project Adult Literacy Society. In this podcast, we talk about literacy in all of its forms and the impact it has on people's lives. Today, we're going to talk to Eric about financial literacy and the importance that this has on all of the aspects of our lives. My name is Eric Lee. I am a chartered professional accountant in Edmonton, Alberta. I do corporate taxes, personal taxes for businesses, the people that own these businesses, shareholders, and we also do some personal taxes for individuals that need an accountant. I would agree. It's a funny joke, I guess maybe an inside joke for accountants. You really only have to know how to add. And you can, as long as you can add positive and negative numbers, I guess adding and subtracting, that's pretty much it. Because in terms of the basics to accounting, there's not much more to that. We are tracking numbers that are going up and going down. So that's all you really need to do. Of course, if you analyze data, you're interested in how well your business is doing relative to how many customers are coming through the door, how much money you're making per hour. And then you can make up as, you know, uh, as many math equations as you want for that. But generally, I, I think it's not a profession where you have to have very complicated math skills. I, I don't have a math major. Generally, if you're going to go into accounting, there's going to be uh, two different uh, paths. One is going to be in terms of bookkeeping, which is recording the daily transactions of a business, such as sales, expenses, payroll. And then there's going to be the accounting side, which generally is going to be a little bit more complicated in terms of dealing with time effects on accounting, on, on your bookkeeping. For example, if someone isn't paying you until next week, that's a little bit more complicated to record than if someone just paid you when you asked them to today and the doors are shut today. So those kind of paths generally require a high school level of uh, math. And in terms of becoming a professional accountant, I would say having a university degree uh, is, is required to get designated. If you were to go through the program to become a chartered professional accountant, a CPA, they will have various kind of paths that you can sort of get back into the college path and then go on with the professional studies and so forth. It is quite a big commitment if you are not coming from the right kind of uh, starting point per se. But I do know some people that have really pursued it and they're really happy with that career choice. In terms of bookkeeping, it's also very helpful for small businesses because most of the time, the small business owners are not going to be able to spend so much time on different things. So they need someone to really help them with recording transactions, letting them how much money is in the bank. So generally, I would say high school level and really just a keen awareness for what's happening and paying attention to financial concepts that are not super complicated, but are super practical. It helps a lot there. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. 
I have a sort of a, I'm going to dodge your question a little bit there and then come up with my own way, uh, uh, my own way of answering that question. But frankly, I think financial literacy, how important it is can't be overstated. It's super, super important because it actually permeates every part of your life. I think personally, when I hear literacy, it's like you, you take it from being able to read, right? If you can't read, you're illiterate. If you can read, you, you are literate, right? So literacy really was a big difference when people were moving from different careers back in the day. You would be able to be a professional, an engineer or a doctor, whatever it was, a lawyer, if you could read. If you couldn't read, that was the end of the road for you, right? Now, in terms of money, it wasn't so severe at one point. It was easy. Money was just cash. So I remember when I was growing up, if you went to the grocery store, uh, lining up for my parents, you would see cash handed over to the cashier. Yeah. So there was really no debit card, credit card, pay by iPhone, tap to pay. It was very straightforward. If you didn't have the cash, you wouldn't buy it. That was it, right? So it gets really, really complicated nowadays, though. This is where to find my sort of financial literacy definition changes a little bit from the word literacy. Because what I find is that when we have payment by phone, email transfer, we can have credit cards, debt, we have Kickstarter kind of like crowdfunding models. We have so many different things that have to do with money that we almost have taken for granted everyone understands what's going on. For example, I have two kids and they play lots of video games, right? And uh, there's gotta be a kind of video game called free to play. Well, what does free to play even mean? Well, free to play means that you can play the game for free, but inside this game, you might have to buy things to do better. And so there's these things called microtransactions. And there have been news stories, of course, with parents uh, surprised, surprised by like, huge thousands of dollars of charges on these free to play video games, right? And so for me, that's an example of financial illiteracy. It's sort of not understanding how money works nowadays. And in fact, how many money works actually drives a lot of behavior and how businesses work. For example, like skip the dishes. That is really interesting, like, you know, food delivery services, right? Um, if the phone app wasn't able to pay the driver virtually and you pay through the phone app to the company and the company pay that money to the restaurant, that app wouldn't exist. You would have to call the restaurant directly. They would have to say, I got your order and they would have to send their driver that they hired to bring it out to you. So our world is really complicated now because money can move electronically. And so literacy is way beyond just understanding how to read this book. You know, I understand this book, I can read it, great. But it's a matter of how do you actually navigate this world. So I have this phrase called financial awareness. Literally, you know, in a very literal way, are you aware of how money works? And when you are actually interacting with money? So you might think I'm ordering food, but from my perspective as an accountant, you're part of the sales chain now. When you go to a Costco or a Safeway or whatever it is, a, a shopper's drug mart, a, a store that you have to self checkout. Well, you're a part of their sales process now. <laughs> so you're interacting um, with various things that you need to do with your life to, you know, to live your life, but you're also maybe unaware 
of how you're actually in the flow of money. And so I call that uh, financial awareness. You, you need to have a you have financial awareness. Absolutely. But I, I think it's by design. So with tech companies, you know, a lot of transactions happen on your phone. A lot of purchases that we make, for example, if you shop on Amazon, on Walmart, in the cloud, on, of course, that kind of transaction has just blown up in volume because of COVID. No one can go to, you know, when we couldn't go to the stores and stuff physically, or when the stores would physically have no inventory, we would just order online and that would come from all over the world. I don't even know where. The difficulty in making that payment would basically mean less sales for the company. So if I was trying to buy a game or a, like buy a purchase inside a video game, it would be as smooth as possible. That's a transaction friction. There are companies that focus really on even reducing them to milliseconds of how fast that transaction will happen. So if you were to buy a app on the Apple uh, app store, for example, and it took you 10 minutes to confirm if the app actually downloaded on your phone, you'd probably lose interest. Like that would be ridiculous, right? But if you clicked on it, it says, yep, sure. Here's your app. That transaction is done. Like the transaction effectively, exactly. It's invisible almost now, right? So I find lots of people I speak to, including business owners who you would think that are more financially literate, right? They sort of live their life in terms of how much credit they have left on their credit card. <laughs> They're thinking, I have like $5,000 of credit on my credit card. So if I push through this, skip to this purchase, I buy this app, I should be fine. They're not really thinking about like, hey, my balance is actually going up now because there's so many things that happen that we're losing track. So if you are fortunate enough to have like a Netflix account uh, for watching shows, a Disney Plus account, a Crave TV account, and all these uh, sub like online subscriptions for magazines or uh, software that you use, you might actually have a lot more expenses that you are even aware of. And so banks are actually using the, uh, their technology to inform their clients like, hey, did you know that you're still paying a recurring fee for these things just to help increase that awareness again, right? So it is definitely by design, I feel that to reduce this awareness, you're also reducing the friction of making purchases. So um, that's sort of a really business-driven decision, I feel. It's not necessarily wrong, but it is something that we have to be more, you know, in tune with that 
you're making a financial purchase, you may be incurring interest on your credit card and so on and so forth. I think, well, I don't know if it would be as insidious, like I don't know what their intentions are, but uh, their, the, re the, the result is true though. The result is true. So uh, if you think about it in a certain way here, if you were to go uh, to a place where let's say they put a wristband around your, your wrist, right? You put your wristband on and you would just sort of tap every single time you wanted to get on a, a ride or play a game, let's say something like, you know, you are not paying attention to the funds anymore. You're paying attention to just getting what you want. So your attention, your awareness is directed somewhere else, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these things are a really big part of our world now. Again, like I was saying, even video games by category now, are defined by how they conduct their uh, financial transactions, free to play or microtransactions. Even if you think about it this way, if you go to a restaurant, you've probably heard of all you can eat. Well, that's a financial model actually, pay once and consume as much as you want. It's a calculated kind of gamble or from the business owner that they will break even no matter how much you eat whether it's on you or across, you know, the, all their customers, right? So that is also a, um, a point of money that designs that business. If you think about McDonald's combos, right? Why would it only be like 25 cents more to get the large? I'm not exactly sure if it's 25 cents, but it's less to get to the next size up than, you know, the initial small size. Let's say it's a dollar for the small, but then it'd be like a dollar 25 for the bigger ones. So, for, for them, they make an extra 25 cents, which is actually 25% of a dollar, right? So they make quite a bit more. You seem to think that, well, I'm getting more value. So it's always important to be aware that many things nowadays is based on um, financial models and financial concepts, even though we may not be aware of it. Maybe it does work really well. Like I do enjoy Apple products because they, they seem to be very seamless and smooth. And that's the whole point. Um, on the other hand, when I go to a place that says cash only, I'm, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I gotta go to the bank, I gotta go get cash. So now, you know, it's not as enjoyable, right? So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but going back to what financial literacy, literacy is, I feel you start with a financial awareness. First of all, where are you encountering money now? Because if you think about it in many ways, we spend so much time on our phone and our phone is almost like a battleground for money. Facebook ads, apps, attention, you know, like even like social media ads and all this kind of stuff, watching YouTube and skipping ads, like ads is really just revenue for someone else, right? So our attention has been monetized really. And so if you're not really, Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you think about how uh, digital the world is now, how money flows digitally, it's really important to be aware that 
unless you've turned off your phone and you're isolated from technology, you might be participating in the economy somehow and you might be affecting your money. And so I think financial awareness is a really good place to start. Even thinking about concepts like how does a bus pass work? Why does it work in that kind of way? Or how does a coupon work? Um, various things like that, you know, like why would they, why would it be possible to buy one and get one free sometimes and not all the times? Uh, and and so now you start thinking about these kind of ideas, right? And I'm a big believer that when you have curious, curiosity, you're going to naturally go learn more about stuff. And you might go learn more about like the cost of goods sold and what's breaking even. And so those concepts can translate to making a budget for yourself, saving up for things and, and whatnot. Um, and I think more so too without awareness, right? So let's say you're spending, uh, what's a spending money on? I remember some video games, adults were playing like Bejeweled for a long time ago or like uh, Candy Crush. I am so out of date, <laughs> but, 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 but there are definitely things where people are paying money for that literally they may not be getting anything for, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, so there's an interesting, yes. Yeah, so Microsoft recently, they have started in Europe, and I believe it's moving to North America, where now they're going to start monitoring inactive accounts. So if you have a subscription for, with their software and you haven't used it for 90 days, they're going to try to contact you. If they don't get anything back from you, they're just going to stop the account. That being said, it's still potentially three months of services that you paid for. But it's a, first, it's a good start because right now a lot of... Yes. So a lot of companies right now are basically giving you a free trial, but you do need a credit card on file and they'll start billing you. So it's sort of negative consent, right? Like if you didn't opt out, then I assume you're good to go. They're, you want to pay for the services, which is not always true, right? Uh, so being aware of those things and how it works is really, really important. So that's where financial literacy, I guess you can say, can be applied, right? Because we may understand the concept of a budget, of how money works. You want to spend less than you make technically, but you may not realize how things are stacked against you if you want to participate in video games that have microtransactions, in monthly subscriptions for digital content, in all sorts of things that may not be giving you any real value, right? But yeah, so that's what I call financial awareness. So you have to be aware about your money first, and then you can apply your literacy, if that makes sense. Assuming that they have a bank account, right, of some, of some sort, they should start looking at their bank account. 
I would, uh, that's the most practical thing to start doing. So don't look to see what millionaires are doing as daily habits. Like, let's forget that for now. <laughs> look at your bank account. If you have an app for that, great. Scroll through what you're spending and see how you're spending your money. Because one thing about this lower level of friction to spend money in our digital economy is our behavior and habits are changing. So that is really different. I'll give you a personal example for myself. When I used to live in Calgary, they would have an app to pay for parking, right? And I hated paying for, pay, paying for parking before because I didn't have change. I don't know where the meter is and I, had, I couldn't keep track of things. Like two hours is up, I had to run back to the meter. But after they had the... Well, I, I was able to save it into the app, but the thing is I didn't mind as much paying for parking after when there was an app, I just, when I just told the app where I'm parking and start. So there's advantages to it though, I realized, because let's say I had to guess how much I might park for before, I might put in way too much money to the meter. Now the app will refund me whatever money that I didn't use, which is, and just charge me exactly the amount of time that I've, I was parked there. So that was, that's great advantage, you know, an advancement. On the other hand, because the friction was lower, I was less prone to risk, just risk it, just park and not pay for my parking, right? So actually the parking revenues have gone up for the city and compliance has gone up because there's less friction. But that's a change of habit for myself and a change of perspective and value, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, you well, if your if your parking spot has a lim time limit, it will stop at that point, it should alert you that your parking is expired, if you turn on the notifications on your phone, you can actually repark like technically, I don't know if that's allowed because your car didn't move. I've, I've done it a couple times. Uh, but that's how that's how that would work there. I think going back to though, remember, uh, you're asking me about what people should do as a first step for awareness, it, it's just understanding things like even how parking payment works. Like go through your app in your, your bank statements for your bank transactions and see how you're spending money. Sometimes it could be a surprise to you that you might be spending more in some places than you realize. The other thing is also to learn how much you're actually taking home versus how much you are paid or making at work because how much you take home is after taxes after payroll deductions. And so if you're thinking, you know, I'm making $2,000 a month, you might not be taking home $2,000 a month, very likely not. And so what psychologically you think you have, you know, in your brain of how much money you have versus how much money you actually have could be quite different. Right? How about like, say, uh, yeah, any between 15 to $17 an hour or something like that. Right. And you may be charged fees that you weren't, uh, weren't aware of. And sometimes banks could waive those fees or you can be on a different banking plan. If you inquire about it, right. Um, you can save yourself money that way too. 
on the other hand too, I find it's important to look through that and see if you're saving any money for yourself. If all you see is your paycheck coming in, your rent going out, your expenses going out and you think, great, I've spent less than I made. But if you haven't saved any money for yourself, specifically to an RRSP, a retired, uh, registered retirement savings plan, or a uh, TSFA, a tax-free savings account, or anything at all, even just putting it aside, you are really kind of putting yourself at risk because that job may, as we saw with COVID, your job might not be there. And now your expenses will continue, but your income is not continuing. So it's important to look at those things there and see how, uh, how much you're saving. Now, back to the behavior part and habits. I've heard, and I've learned a hard way myself too, that people will say, don't buy Starbucks coffee, save your $5, $7, whatever it is, right? Every day, that's fine. Uh, but frankly, many people I know don't even save money at all. And they think that when they make more money, then they'll make significant savings then. Right now, if I saved, exactly. You're not starting the habit to begin with. You're not gonna start having that habit after. This is like saying, after I eat better, I'm gonna go work out more. It's like, well, <laughs> you're probably not gonna work out because you don't work out now, right? Uh, and, it's, and it's true of money too. So if you think about how the transactions are already habituating you, like your, your habits already, you're used to spending easily on your phone or whatever it is. Digital currency, you're not counting your money anymore. And if you're not looking specifically at your bank, you might be thinking in your head and estimating how much money you have at any moment before you make a purchase, right? Then you're probably not saving the money and you probably don't have good habits. So that could be really frustrating. I wouldn't feel bad because really that's just how I came up with this realization that we need to be more financial aware. So once you're more aware of that, oh, sure. Yeah, it's not necessarily something that is um, gonna make you miserable. Like, I'm not a proponent of necessarily taking away your coffee. If it, if the $5 of coffee that day enables you to work eight hours happily, do it. <laughs> like, it's, you know what I mean? On the other on the other hand, though, if you're spending the rest of your money on other things and you're not saving any of, any of it at all, you're actually not living a sustainable lifestyle. You're not saving any money. That means that it, this is not working. So even though things are fine right now, it would be, um, you know, having like no backup systems or anything like that. So in reality, you have to tone that back a little bit and find a way to save money. So even if it's saving $5, $10, $20, it might not sound like a lot of money, but it is a very valuable habit because when you make a little bit more money, you might increase that to $200 or even $2,000 or whatever it is, right? And that's a concept that commonly uh, called like paying yourself first, right? So that's where I would start. I would start looking at your bank because that is your actual money. We're not looking at something that's in a textbook and a brochure or a course, that is someone else's money. You're looking at your own money and you gotta be pretty honest with that. It could be humbling. If you're not happy about how much you're making or you're not ha happy about how much you're spending or saving, that's where you know the truth lies, right?
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, the whole point is not necessarily to look at the, the numbers themselves. Because some of the most success, that's right, because some of the most successful business owners that we work with, really, they don't spend a lot of money. They're just, they just have a lot of money as a side effect of doing what they do, if that makes any sense. Because um, they were able to live their life in a way that, you know, they, they do something that fulfills them emotionally and financially. So let's say some, one of my clients likes to uh, cook. So she does have a restaurant and she's trained other people to help her run the restaurant. Right. So she does make money, but her habits are very much ingrained to be very frugal. The situation is not to look at how much you're saving and feel bad about it. So if you're saving $5 a month, I think that's great because you might be saving more than someone that has more money than you by far. It's just having that habit and the mindset, the mentality to change it around because you have that mentality to pay yourself first, right? If by the off chance you stumble into accidental success, which is always sort of dangerous, let's say uh, you win the lotto for some reason or whatever it is, you won't necessarily be as at risk to fall into just the spending trap. You would have your habits. Well, I got to save money for myself first. So I win a million dollars. Amazing. Well, I'm going to put half away for myself first. You know, then you think, well, I only have half a million dollars to do whatever I want. And that's better off than blowing the whole thing, right? So these habits are important. You start with your bank statement and you go through there. And if you're in a situation where you don't know how to use the apps or you're not sure how banking actually works, then I wouldn't avoid it go right into it, go into a bank and just tell them, I don't understand how this works. Can you help me out? Help me set up this bank account. There are places like, like pals and other online websites that will even teach you the basics to how to use these things. And then of course, like I was saying in terms of financial awareness, because it touches everything, including our every facet of life, including our apps or phones, then it comes to like privacy and passwords and security. So you can see how, where we start with financial literacy, literally it encompasses everything we do. You know, it, it's not really as simple as before where you open your wallet, you have like money in it. <laughs> they just, it it's sort of complicated, but it's not, doesn't have to be overwhelming just to start with those good habits. Well, I, I think the best thing is what you have on you all the time. So I dabble in photography and there's a saying in photography where the best camera is always the one you have on you. So it could be your phone. It's not the best one, but it's the one you have, right? So I would say, write down your transactions, write down your purchases. If you find that there's an issue with that, then use an app. 
but I would not go and get down into this some, some kind of rabbit hole in terms of looking at apps and getting more complicated about, oh, well, I don't want to put my financial information to this app or that app. Should I link? Like there's other services like mint.com that can track your bank for you and give you reports. But frankly, we're looking at something much more simple here. In fact, I would advise that it's important to do the heavy lifting at first. Write down your transactions. If you don't want to write that down, maybe don't spend the money. I don't know. Maybe that works. Uh, if you're sure absolutely and you know it's important too because if you want to use apps that's great then to me that suggests a certain level of sophistication already you may have the basic level financial literacy already at hand even computer skills and even just access to computers and internet right if there is no internet where you're going well that's not going to help you if you don't have a laptop and you don't have a really robust data plan in your phone and you're on the bus, you can still write down your transactions and look at your expenses on paper in a notebook, but you, you can't really do that with your phone or anything like that. And I think it does sort of take you out of that phone space to give you room to, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's important. I'll just touch on one thing here. That's a little bit of an offshoot is that it is your money. I know it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it <laughs> because you get paid. No one hands you, maybe someone still hands you a check, but no one gives you a pile of cash, right? Most of the time it's going to be direct deposit in your bank. And then your bank, if you pay rent or you pay a mortgage or whatever it is, automatically it would go out. So it doesn't really feel like it's even your money, but you really have to realize that this is your money. You're the custodian of it. And so at the same time, you can't be too frustrated if you're not achieving or able to do what you want, if you are not even looking at it to begin with, right? It'd be like trying to grow plants and you're not going to water it. Well, <laughs> that's not a good thing. I don't know what you're trying to expect then, right? So definitely from there, you can get into very interesting concepts, you know, um, because you've heard of the concept money doesn't grow on trees. Well, it does because it's just a metaphor, of course, but I mean, like money does grow on trees for many people. Let's say you have an investment in your retirement, you have a, a pension plans, you have various things money is growing all the time. If you bought, uh, I don't know, like a special car that becomes a very collectible desired car in the future, well, it's literally growing money for you. It's just, you need to have that awareness and you have to have attention and care to really help this because food doesn't even grow in trees. I don't know why people assume things growing on trees is simple <laughs> because you know, it's not, it's not easy. So you have a great apple tree and you sell the apples, well, money grows on trees, right? So you, you get to a level of sophistication where I think it really starts changing your perspective on what life and work and money sort of looks like for people. Think about writing down what are your one or two beliefs about money? And then go explore that concept. Go ask other people, ask strangers, ask anyone. Go to pals, ask Aaron, ask anyone what do you think about this because you will probably get way different answers from everybody uh, that you talk to about what you thought was very concrete 
there's some books out there that are very good in terms of talking about the psychology of money. And there is going to be a lot of resources for the technicality of money. So what's a budget, how to budget, you know, how to record and track your expenses and stuff like that there. Right. But I find that if you deal with the psychology of money first, you sort of change your mindset, you change how you see your world. Uh, you're more aware of where money comes in and goes and where your participation of it happens then you can apply financial literacy and you'll naturally maybe drawn to learn more about money than with your curiosity than anything else. And that will be awesome because we all need to figure this out. I don't know how to explain to my kids, for example, that money comes from somewhere right now because they don't see money at all. Right? So it's more important than never to maybe even bring back the analog things. I know some programs out there you know, say that you should only spend cash to track your money. But I think in some ways life might be a little bit difficult right now. Like if you were in lockdown and you have to spend cash, you, there's not going to be a universal rule for everything. And you do need to learn about how money works. In any case, I, Absolutely. And the other thing too, and I realized that pals, you guys do great work of uh, people that come from different countries as immigrants too, right? Is that you may need to recognize what the cultural differences are. How does the money system work in Canada versus where in whatever part of the world it came from, right? Uh, I can tell you some parts of the world, it is a very true situation where you want to hide your money in your mattress or bury it or something because um, of the political situation or whatever the situation is. But in Canada, mostly everything is digital. So you're going to have to learn how to use a computer. You, from my point of view, you must get a smartphone. You have no choice because everything runs on apps and you know, that's your portal to all these services and institutions. So those are going to be hurdles that you just have to sort of look at head on early on in order to start your journey in terms of how you deal with money truthfully in North America, really, because our systems are very much the same as the U.S. systems, right? From there, you will start learning about taxes and savings and different things. But I think financially, just being more aware of things will be the best thing you can do in terms of starting financial literacy, learning about financial literacy and making it interesting and relevant to yourself. Thank you, Eric, for increasing our financial awareness. We have definitely learned a lot throughout this podcast. We appreciate all of the knowledge that you've shared with us. This podcast was recorded on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and all the First Peoples of Canada whose presence continues to enrich our community.